Welcome to AM Best Audio. I'm John Weber for AM Best TV and we're at Risk World in Atlanta. We're speaking today with two very distinguished executives. They are Chris Sparrow, CEO North America Insurance, Sampo International, and Christoph Terran, CEO Zurich North America. And Christoph, we're going to start with you today. What does the overall insurance environment look like these days? Yeah, and John, thanks for having me here. Um, look, when I look at where we're at this year, and I, I look back to the start of 2022, I mean, I, I don't see that much difference. I mean, we're still looking at a lot of volatility in the outside environment. I mean, geopolitical, supply chains, inflation, you name it. All those trends are still there. So then when I look at the overall market, I think what has probably changed a little bit is that um, property started to soften a little bit towards year end, but then with everything we've seen over the winter, and by the way, another strong um, or weak cat quarter, depending on how you look at it, but a cat quarter with high frequency in quarter one, um, we see property picking back up again. And that's a good thing, because when you look at increased frequency severity, um, that is a longer term trend. I mean, this is not going to go away. I mean, casualties, similar pressures. I mean, everything we discussed last year around social inflation and underlying inflation hasn't gone away. So, I mean, casualties still continues to perform relatively well. And I'd say the one part of the market where we see pressure is probably on financial lines. And I could say it's irrational, but a lot of it has to do with, with excess capacity, a lack of M&A deals, um, the private equity market slowing down, no more SPAC. So, all in all, I'd say we're, we're in a quite similar position to 22, with, with still um, a lot of rate needed on, on both the property and the casualty side, because none of the underlying factors have really changed. I would agree completely with what Christoph just said. Um, the one thing that I do think has changed a little bit from 22 to where we are today is that um, as we've gotten further away from COVID, things have gotten back to normal. Um, so we, if you take a look at all the, the claim activity from the prior accident years that is now actually making its way through the legal system, um, you're getting a lot more resolution on, on older cases, which is bringing um, a little bit more of what I'll, I'll refer to as a, a sobering awakening to the marketplace that, um, it, that the need for rate needs to continue to be to be there. Um, it needs to be sustainable. Um, you use terms like rate adequacy now as opposed to just um, increased rates. Um, clearly within property, you, we need a lot more rate. Valuations are higher and the, the CAT activity has been, has been more severe. Um, but broadly across the whole PNC platform, um, there's a better understanding and a stabilization in my mind because of the fact that um, a lot of the Late or earlier year cases are making their way through. They're significant. They're seeing the impact of, a, of what inflation has on those results. Um, it's going to keep the market sustainable, in my mind, from a rate perspective as we go forward through 23 because of the increase in activity we're seeing right now. Yeah, I was going to ask, Chris, do you think rate adequacy is, is uh, obtainable? Um, it, I believe it is. Um, the question is, is it sustainable, right? Um, so when you think about what's happened in 2019-20, it was a lot in the casualty area. 20-21, it was more of the DNO area that that was referred to earlier. 22 was a lot of cyber activity. Now 23, it's property. Um, so you, you're seeing a, an increased awareness of, of markets having to, to want to maintain that level. Um, the, the adjustments, though, have to be larger because of inflation, increase in valuations, um, and a lot more frequency of severity that has made the, the need for rate to 
to continue to be a little bit higher uh, than where most people would want. And quite frankly, there's ways to manage the rate environment um, from a customer perspective based upon how they want to change the structure of their programs, how much more risk they want to take on. Um, and that, that's all part of what I'll call a collective good constructive conversation so that it doesn't have to be all about rate. It could be about more proper programs being built based upon the size and scale of the company and the risk that they have uh, with their exposures from around the globe. Christoph, what are some of the challenges you're facing as well as emerging risks? So on the challenges, um, I would say the industry is still fighting to attract the right talent. I mean, it's, it's look, and, and this is not just the insurance industry. I mean, we've seen with the great resignation um, numbers in the labor market that we hadn't seen before. I mean, two open jobs for, for um, every person uh, looking for work. I mean, that creates tension in the market. I would say, by and large, it's starting to slow down, yeah, probably with the outlook on the overall financial services sector. But I think we also just have an aging problem of our population. And, and jointly, this entire insurance industry needs to find a way to get new talent into the insurance organization. So that's definitely one um, of the challenges. I'd say the second one, and, and it's at the same time an opportunity, is the whole data side. Um, there's more and more external data available. We need to look at how we use that for automation, for creating new products, for better risk insights. I mean, that's something that uh, we need to continue to work on. Also, in terms of how we drive efficiency, working with our brokers in terms of automation. Um, so those are some of the things that we are focused on. Um, when I look at the emerging risk side, um, we talked a little bit about social inflation in general. I mean, I, this industry needs tort reform because, I mean, this, this seems to only know one trend. So that is something we carefully monitor. And the absence of that will continue to reduce limits and attachment points will continue to go up. So that's definitely something um, that is on our risk radar. Um, cyber is a line that we continue to write, but uh, prudently. Yeah. I mean, we don't like the accumulation of it. It's still difficult to diversify, and it's an ever-changing risk. And then maybe the last one, where I'm much more positive on, when I think about the whole sustainability angle, all of our customers at some point will need to make this net zero transition. And so we're investing heavily in risk engineering services to assess those risks to build new products uh, to support companies in the transition. I mean, we just created um, a sustainable captive. We're creating parametric weather products. So those are some of the areas where I'm excited about new risks coming on board and the insurance industry trying to find solutions for it. Yeah, so obviously much of the same, John, right? When you, th you think about um, the marketplace today and you think about the emerging risks, you know, it, you, you always start with climate change, right? That, that is obviously one which is in the center uh, of most of the attention of our clients wanting to, to understand uh, what are the tools that we're trying to do to help create for better, for better servicing, particularly around it, whether it's on the underwriting side, the, the risk control side, or even the claim side, right? Um, and, and how do we keep up with, with making sure that we're giving them the best services that we can provide. Um, I, I agree also that when you look at the emerging risks you know, around geopolitical as we continue to expand globally, um, our footprint, um, being very careful about the locations that we're evaluating and for our customers so that we can make sure that we're giving them a seamless experience from a, from a multinational perspective as we strive to be um, a top-tier multinational provider um, with our global footprint is really, really important to us. Um, the transition for sustainability is obviously very important. We view that as an opportunity um, to help our clients um, and looking and we, we're 
like like Zurich, we're looking at a variety of different new product ideas and, and development stage to help um, bring around some solutions that would make it easier for our customers to transition to that net zero environment. Um, it's an important uh, value that we want to do not only for ourselves as a firm, but to help assist our clients. Um, the talent um, war continues to rage on. You know, I think the interesting thing about it and where we spend a little bit of our time is on our training program and intern program and trying to get to a broader group of colleges and universities around the globe. Um, people don't realize how diverse the insurance industry is and the different backgrounds that you study at university to come into the business. There's a lot of skill sets that you just don't need to go to a school of risk management. And it's particularly interesting for folks right now, whether it's in the world of cyber, uh, the world of financial lines, um, even in the world of risk control, where we're, we're seeing a lot of uh, students graduating from engineering with engineering degrees and looking to come into the firm. Uh, so the, it is a more diverse population of experiences that we're seeing coming in and we, we want to grow our own. Uh, we take a lot of pride in that and we that helps to uh, obviously um, lessen some of the turnover um, because our retention figures around our training program tend to be higher um, than when we just go and hire people through what I'll call the normal routine system. I was going to ask, how do you get them into your company specifically? A lot of hard work and effort, right? We have a great, we have a terrific um, human resource team. We, we have a, a, within it, we have a whole uh, it committed department around training and development and college university experiences where they travel around the country um, going to job fairs, career days. We enlist a lot of our employees to help that based upon where their alma mater is from. Um, so it's an exciting part of uh, of the job um, to be able to go back and tell people where you are today and the experiences that you've had and it resonates well when you're trying to, to look at the rising seniors and juniors that are looking to what might be their career to, to look at people not like us but people that are more within their age group to see what it could resonate to um, it, it's exciting and it, it's, it's proven to be a very very successful venture for us to do it that way. I was going to say, one of the coolest things we've done at Zurich, so we launched the apprenticeship program in 2016 and so these are kids that come straight out of high school or a second career. I mean, they make a salary right from the start. They go to college two days a week, and at the end of the two years, they get an apprentice uh, degree. 80, 90% of them are still with us, so retention is great. That program has been growing from one function to the next. It's been growing geographically, and I think it is such a great alternative to a college degree, and it doesn't saddle these kids with it. With a, with a mountain of debt, um, and, and they come on board with a real set of skills that they can use. So, so that for us has been fantastic to attract talents. You're, you're seeing less and less of an emphasis on a college degree. You think that will trickle into insurance? Yeah, we're, we're, actually, we're actually methodically going um, through some of our degrees and, and looking at where do you truly need a college degree, where can practical experience be equivalent. But, but also if you want to move from an apprentice degree and you still want to go down the actuarial path, we let them then go on and do a bachelor's degree as well for those that want. So it's a great entryway into the organization. It gives you more understanding of different career paths and a better understanding of the company. And you still have all options beyond that. Yep. Let's shift gears here and uh, talk a little bit about reinsurance. I would imagine that there was some sticker shock on January 1st. What are you anticipating as far as reinsurance goes? And are you concerned about where reinsurance is headed? So, so we're not. We're not concerned. Um, I mean, our treaty program, I mean, always had a relatively high attachment point and it's performed well over the last couple of years. So we don't anticipate any changes in structure there. 
we had an aggregate cover which was more covering earnings volatility. I mean, doesn't make economic sense for us um, to renew that, but by and large, 3D program will stay intact. There will be some pricing pressure on that. I think where you will see it having an impact on the uh, industry is for those that had much lower retentions um, and had to actually bring them up because they couldn't find the capacity. You see it now trickling down in guidelines that go into the field, and that's what's driving the momentum and the pressure right now on rates in the property market. Yeah, yeah I would tell you, it's a validation, you know, for for what you see with treaties going on with the uh, with all the carriers right now. It's a if we're communicating to the market that we need to get continued rate to offset losses. Well, it's just nat it's a natural extension that our reinsurance partners um, would have that same um, sort of need. And so, what we found around one one through four one, which is when uh, the majority of our treaties go up, that um, because of the the escalation of, of losses within the market, increased valuations, inflation. Um, the need for our reinsurance partners to to get more through reduced seating commissions, um, in particular if you're looking to maintain the same sort of structures um, and, and higher rates on XOL treaties as opposed to quota shares. Um, there, it, it was just more, to my mind, it's more consistent with what we're asking for on our side and it, it's necessary and it's needed. Um, for our programs, we were able to keep them intact. Um, our structures um, continue to evolve as we continue to grow, which is a helpful part of that. Um, and I think it's important for our reinsurance partners to, to start to look at and what they've been doing is looking at quality of underwriting strategies, not just the pure economics because as capacity gets a little bit tighter for them on where they want to distribute it, there, there will be a consensus and a view that those that are more in line with their long-term plans around how to underwrite a specific product profitably, um, those are the ones that they'll continue to give the capacity towards, um, and, but it will be a, a more um, what I'll call more expensive terms just because the costs are up. All right, last question, gentlemen. Last year at this conference, I couldn't do an interview without bringing up inflation. I've only heard that word once so far in this interview. This year, however, the topic has been AI. How concerned or excited are you when it comes to artificial intelligence? Chris? So I'm excited about it. I, th I think there's a variety of levels of AI um, that are there. There's internal, which helps you become more efficient and more effective. And as we all try to mitigate our expenses and, and, and operate in a more efficient and effective manner, the ability to have AI help that, um, whether it's for our own internal operations, our relationships with our distribution partners and how we want to exchange data with them and more importantly with our clients, um, having that from an operational perspective is, is very important for us and it allows us to, to be in more places around the globe as from when I talked about a multinational strategy because we can effectively um, distribute our products in a seamless manner. Um, but it also offers something for new products, right? And so there are a lot of ways for us to distribute our product through different platforms and AI helps us do that. And so there are a variety of things that we're looking at in that space. And then in risk control, AI has really helped us a lot from a loss prevention perspective perspective and there's some tools that we've been able to give to our clients um, that have been able to pilot some of the unique things and have come back with testimonials that have clearly said it's reduced the frequency of claim activity and mitigated some of the severity as well so we're excited about the prospects that's there it's longer it takes time um, the moment you think you have something 
something else comes out as another great idea. So it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a necessary and, and I, I believe a very strategic part of our of our business plans going forward and it will only take more, it'll have more time at the board meetings as opposed to um, the little time that it started with a few years ago. Yeah, look, I mean, we've been working with AI for a while now and, and the large language models, of course, I mean, exponentially increase that uh, capability, but, but for us, really two areas. I mean, one is decision support, to both on the claims and the underwriting side. I mean, think about an underwriter, I mean, 100-page submission. I mean, you're now able to structure that in a few seconds. I mean, take out the necessary elements. I mean, just makes for a much more efficient process. Another example would be on the claim side. We've been using AI to triage um, medical bills and look for patterns in the prescription, and then we send the case nurse to then um, handle that case in a uh, different way. But but the other area that I'm really excited about AI is when you think about one of the biggest challenges that the insurance industry still has, because we all have legacy systems. I mean, we all have data that sits there from ages ago, and somehow we need to work with that. AI and large language models, I mean, gives you an ability to extract some of the business rules out of that in a much easier way. And so when we now think about all that old stuff that we somehow need to make cloud ready um, and move on to new technology stacks, I think it will vastly accelerate that transition. So I think there's real, real opportunity um, in the evolution of AI. Do you think there will be more collaborative data as a result with other insurers? Um, I, th I think so, because, I mean, I don't know whether it's collaborative data, but, but there will be much bigger pools of external data that will be available for all of us to use, for sure, yeah. Interesting. Christoph, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. My pleasure. Our pleasure. Thank you. And from Risk World in Atlanta, I'm John Weber for I Am Best TV. Looking to get the full attention of the insurance industry? We have the platforms that will do just that. Whether it be AM Best TV, AM Best Audio, Best Review Magazine, or Best Day. Find out more by calling AM Best Advertising Sales at 908-439-2200, extension 5399, and have a great day.